0: Thank you for joining us. God sent His only Son, His sinless Son, to die on Calvary's cross for you and me. Because of Jesus' sacrificial death, the gift of eternal life is available to anyone who chooses to receive it. Without the shed blood of Jesus, there would be no redemption for our sins. The Bible tells us that there is no salvation in any other. Without His selfless sacrifice, we would have no hope and no victory. Praise God for the gift of salvation and everlasting life. Listen in with Bible, pen, and paper handy as Pastor Rander ministers to us today.
1: The Bible says in the text in Isaiah fifty three five, but he was wounded for our transgression. You know what transgressions? You know what we you know what that is? Sins. He was bruised for our iniquity. You know what iniquities? You know what that is? That's sin. The chastisement of our peace, that we would have peace, he was chastised so that we could have it was the chastisement for our peace was, was upon whom? Jesus. And by his very stripes, the licks, we were healed if we trust Jesus Christ alone as our personal savior. I pose a question to you today, my friends. Why was Jesus Christ wounded for me? Why was he wounded for you? Number one, he was wounded that prophecy would be fulfilled. He was wounded that what? Prophecy would be fulfilled. Isaiah 53 5 says, He was wounded for our transgressions, He was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and by His stripes we are healed. It was prophesied by Isaiah long before Jesus came on the scene. Hundreds and hundreds and centuries uh, before Jesus came, Isaiah uh, spoke in the spirit. And when Jesus Christ came, born in Bethlehem of Judea and grew up and was that perfect example, he fulfilled this prophecy And he was wounded for you and me. So he was wounded that prophecy would be fulfilled. That's how I know this book is true. It was prophesied and then it came to completion, fruition with 100% accuracy. Why was Jesus wounded for me? Number two, he was wounded to death in obedience to his heavenly father's will. He was wounded to death in obedience to whose will? His heavenly father's will. Turn with me to the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verses 7 through 8. Philippians, chapter 2, verses 7 through 8. Philippians, chapter 2, verses 7 through 8. It says, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. Here is Jesus as The Son, as much as God, as God the Father. Equal in essence, ruling and reigning in absolute unity and oneness. Jesus Christ came in the likeness of a man in Bethlehem of Judea. And verse 8 says, and being found in the appearance as a man. Jesus Christ was God. In man, God in flesh. That's called incarnation, which means in flushment. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Now, that's obedience, you all. He was wounded in obedience to the Heavenly Father's will. How obedient are you? How obedient are you? Is it a struggle for you to get to church? Is it hard for you to do what God told you to do? And yet Jesus Christ humbled himself from glory to his own creation and allowed his own creation to to wound him, being very God himself. Thirdly, why was Jesus Christ wounded for me? Jesus was wounded because of his love for humanity. He was wounded because of his what? Turn the Gospel of John Uh, chapter 15, verses 9 and 13. John 15, 9 and 13. He was wounded because of his love for humanity. Do you know Jesus loves you? I love that song that says, Jesus loves me, this I know. Why? For the Bible tells me so. John 3, 16 says, For God so what? That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever what? in him should not what? But what? But what? Everlasting, everlasting life. But well, you know when you got everlasting life, it's everlasting. Everlasting means you can't lose it. Once you got now you got to have it. Yeah. Now, you can't have everlasting life uh, with God the Father and the Son until you got Now, all of us got everlasting life. Did you not know that? All of us. When you're dead, you're not done. You're not done. I mean, you either have everlasting life with Jesus or everlasting life without Jesus in the lake of fire. But you got everlasting life. There's a part of you that never dies. There's an immaterial part of you, your soul, spirit. The body goes to the grave, but that part of you, that soul and that spirit, that never dies. And at the moment of death, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you go instantly to be with the Lord in heaven. If you do not know him, you go instantly to hell. And hell is very real. It's not some figment of somebody's imagination. It's a place where the worm never dies. It's a place where you're burning and never consumed. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. Dying and never die. A place where you're consistently always having Uh, memories of your opportunities to receive the Lord Jesus, and you rejected those opportunities. No escape, no bonds, no shortcut, no plea bargains. No, no. And you say, well, why would a loving God send me to hell? Uh, Well, he wants you in heaven with him. You go to hell because you reject his love. Let me just say it like this, Get get as plain as I can get. Jesus will love you to hell. He will love you. Even when you go to hell, he doesn't stop loving you. He love, you reject the love of God, and because you reject his love, it's because of that rejection you doom yourself to hell. But why go to hell when you can go to heaven this morning? Amen? Amen. John 15, 9 says, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Continue in my love. Look down at verse 13. 15, John 15, 13. Are y'all hanging with me? Greater love has no man than this, than a man, look, than to lay down his life for his friends. Now, you know, you hear people jumping out in front of cars to save a baby and a person get killed. You know, folk jump in the pool and save a child and they get, and they die. But you know what? That's a great and noble act. But even though they died, they couldn't save nobody from their sins. You understand yeah, that, that, that was a good and noble gesture by all means, but their death could not save a person's spiritual condition, no matter how good the act was. And that person could only vouch for the person they say, but Jesus Christ died that all humanity could be saved from our sin. I'm so glad God is not a racist. Amen. Amen. Because certain races may not make it, And I'm so glad God saves irrespective of your economic condition. You know, you rich, God a savior. You poor, God a savior. Amen. You, you mismanage your money, God a save you and your finances. God saved from the guttermost to the uttermost. Greater love has no man than this, that a man laid down his life for one's friend. Jesus was a friend of sinners. You know, I wonder about a person who don't ever want to be around sinners. I mean, how are you going to win folk for Christ always in your holy huddle? Amen. That's why we have such a hard time getting folk to neighborhood outreach in the community. We can shout and have a good time in here, but yet we can't go tell it that Jesus Christ is risen. We, we If you were at a football game and you paid $50 a ticket for you and your wife and you went to that game, And for four quarters, the players stayed in the huddle. How would you feel about that? You didn't come there to see these big old 300-pound folk stay in a huddle for four quarters. No, you you get in the huddle to, to, to learn some strategy, to go out to learn to play in order to play the what? The game. And we come in here to go out to reach folk for the Lord Jesus Christ. How are you going to go fishing uh, out here on 1604 next door to this parking lot here? If you're going to catch some fish, you got to go where what? Fish off. Amen. Go fishing. Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. In other words, Jesus is saying here, they didn't take my life. <laughs> I remember in the garden when he said, I am he. They all fell, they fell backwards, they fell down. He just said, I am he. He was making a statement that they all fell. He said, I, you, you looking for me? I'm he. Woo! They all fell. In other words, he was letting them know who was in charge. You're not taking nothing. I'm giving you permission to take me to fulfill the master's plan. I can weak my eye and you're out of existence. I mean, God was showing just how much power he had. I am he, and they fall over. In other words, they didn't take his life. He, he gave his life, and because he voluntarily gave himself, they took his life. You see what I'm saying? That's a big distinction there. And then, fourthly, fourthly, why was why was he wounded? Jesus was wounded because no other man could fit the qualifications of dying for the sins of the world. No other man, no other man could fit the qualifications of dying for the sins of the world like Jesus. No other person. Look at 1 Peter 3, 18. Are y'all hanging with me? Come on, hang with me now. Oh, that's that's why it's so important to bring your Bibles to church because we reference scriptures so you can see for yourself. You need to know the word for yourself. 1 Peter 3, 18. When you find the same man toward the end of the Bible, 1 Peter 3, 18. Look what it says. For Christ also suffered how many times? Now you gotta understand in the Old Testament covenant, sacrifices were made over and over and over for sins. But when Jesus came, he was that perfect sacrifice who sacrificed himself for sins one time, never to happen, never to be duplicated again. Who the just for the unjust. Now, who was the just one? Say it, say don't be afraid. Who was the just one? Come on, who was the just one? Jesus Christ was the just one and is the just one. Who's the unjust? Why are we unjust? Because we were born in sin. We inherited a sin nature from our parents and their parents and their parents and their parents and their parents parents, all the way back to Adam and Eve. For Christ also suffered one time for sins, the just for the unjust. He was the only one qualified to be wounded for us that he might bring us to whom? God. Being put to death in the flesh, and that's why he was born matthew one twenty one says and his name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save himself from uh, from from their sins. He came to die, no death in heaven that's why he there had to be an incarnation so that Jesus can take on a body and do what die that he might bring us to God, being put to death to die in the flesh but what? Made alive by the Spirit. In other words, Jesus was wounded because no other person could fit the qualifications. No, 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 degrees didn't matter. Personalities didn't matter. How charismatic you are, it doesn't matter. No, no one, because all have sinned and come short. But there is one whose name is Jesus, and he was the just who died in our place for the unjust. Uh, number five. Or why was he wounded? Jesus was wounded because the only way to be delivered from sin, Satan, death, and the grave was through the humiliating, suffering, pain, and agony of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you you get that? That, That's huge, y'all. That's huge. Jesus was wounded (laughs) because... The only way to be delivered from sin, Satan, death, and the grave was through the humiliation, suffering, and agony of our Lord in our place. He was wounded that we would be delivered. Let me show you some scriptures on that. We were delivered. Aren't you glad you delivered? Aren't you glad you delivered? Let me just show you something here. Look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 through 14. This is going to get good. I got three scriptures here. Uh, 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 Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 through 14. He was wounded because the only way to be delivered from sin, Satan, death, and the grave was through the humiliation, suffering, pain, and agony of our Lord in our place. Colossians 1, 13 through 14. When you finally say amen. Amen. He was what? Delivered. Look, he has delivered us. From the power of darkness and conveyed. You know what conveyed means? Transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love. In whom we have redemption. His blood purchased us through the, his blood. His blood purchased us from the slave market of sin. The forgiveness of sins. He, Jesus, delivered us. He emancipated us. He took us from, from darkness and put us in light. He took us out of lostness and saved us. Amen? Colossians, look at chapter 2, same book, Colossians chapter 2. Same book, next chapter over. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. Look, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it. In other words, uh, when, when Jesus died, Satan and all the demonic realm thought they had Jesus. But you know what? When he got up out that grave, he triumphed over Satan. He triumphed over death. He triumphed over sin. He triumphed over the grave, and he made a public spectacle of all the demonic ram. In other words, he made a fool out of them. He put them to shame. He said, you thought you had me, but you're the fool. Shame on you. Colossians 2.15. Then Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 Hebrews chapter two verse fourteen, uh, Jesus was wounded because uh, he was the only way. Through him that we get deliverance from sin, Satan, death, and the grave. Hebrews chapter two verse fourteen. When you find this, say Amen. And as much then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood. In other words, we are the children, and we we are the of the human race. Amen. Once we get saved, Amen. Then we are. We are saved by the grace of God, and we are children of of light. And so we are the children of flesh and blood. Jesus Christ himself likewise shared the same. The same what? Flesh and blood. That through what? Death. That's why he came. He might destroy him who had the power of death. That is who? The devil. Say the devil. Say the devil again. Now, you know what? You're the biggest fool on this side of the Mississippi if you don't believe there's a devil. There is, and Satan wants you to think there is no devil, but the devil is real. He is a real person. And many don't come to Christ because of what the devil do, what, what he does to your mind, the excuses he, he gives you to keep you out of church. Amen. All the sat- satanic uh Uh, entanglements. He puts you in in order to keep you from God because he he doesn't want you to be saved. He wants you to have his same destiny. He wants you doomed, damned, and done. Satan already knows he's disarmed. He already knows he defeated. He already knows his eternal future. And his job is to bring as many with him as he possibly can. And you know what? He's doing a pretty good job. And let me tell you something. Don't come to church and don't mean business for God. Because Satan don't mind you coming to church as long as your mind is somewhere else. He don't mind you coming to church as long as you don't make a decision for Jesus Christ. He, He doesn't mind you coming to church as long as you don't get what you came for. Matter of fact, he wants you to have good attention and then go to hell from the church. Now listen, why go to hell from the church? You don't have to come to church to go to hell. If you want to go to hell, go straight. That's right. Do whatever you want to do. Say whatever you want to say. Live any kind of way you want to live. Just let this is your heaven because as good as it's going to get. And then when all is said and done, then go straight to hell. But don't get up at no 8 o'clock in the morning and dress yourself up and come in here with your two-ton Bible and then go to hell. you could have to in your bed. When you come to the Lord's house, your heart ought to be fixed. Your mind ought to be made up to live for him, mean business for him. You don't come in here to find out who you can go with. You don't come in here to transact some kind of business deal and hand out your car. We don't want your car. We want to see folk get to heaven. You don't come to church to politics. You come to church to meet Jesus, to meet Jesus. Yeah, that is the devil. Jesus Christ disarmed that devil. Hallelujah. So, so, so we told you why, why was he wounded? Now let's talk about how was Jesus wounded? Y'all staying with me. How was Jesus wounded? I might be going a little fast with these, so you just jot these scripture references down as they come up on the screen uh, uh, for the sake of time. How was he wounded? So just write that little subtopic down with a little question mark. How was Jesus wounded? Number one, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 59 through 60, the scripture says, uh, they lied on Jesus. (laughs) They lied on Jesus. Uh, you know, I said I wasn't going to turn there, but I got to turn there. Uh, they, they lied on Jesus. Uh, t- turn to Matthew 26. Hey, we got to. I'm sorry. We just got to. It's just too good not to do it because you need to see this because how many of y'all been lied on? Y'all been lied on? How does it feel to be lied on? Kind of bad, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I know it does. All these, And sometimes it ain't lie. Sometimes some folks tell the truth. <laughs> 26 59 through 60. Are y'all there? And look what they did to Jesus. Now, the chief priests, the elders, and all the council sought false testimonies against Jesus to put him to death. Lied to put him in, to put the man to death. Look, but found no, look, but found none. Know what? They couldn't find nothing on him. Even though many false witnesses came forward, they found none. But at last, two false witnesses came forward. In other words, they found no false, no one to find the witnesses. They could find no witnesses that could substantiate uh, lies or propagate lies against Jesus. Then two came forward and actually conjured up some lies on the Lord. Uh, Matthew 2730, they spat on him. Uh Uh-oh, they spat on him. Look at 2730. Matthew 2730, look what it says. You see that? Matthew 27, 38, They spat on him. Now, uh, have, 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 have anybody have anybody ever spit on you? We oh, got one, one or two hands. Uh, one, okay, okay, one. That's few hands. Okay, just for a moment. Uh, just look at your neighbor, wherever they are, and 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 ask them what would what would you do if somebody spat on you? <laughs> just go, on, go on, go on. Just go on. I mean, you in know the house. Come on, tell the truth. Come on, go, on, go on. Go on. It's an exercise. What, what will you do? <laughs> I want you to mingle. What, 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 yeah. Oh, God. Oh, my. I wish I could hear the answers out there. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? <clears throat> yeah, you can't even take that. <clears throat> you can't. Look at you. Ah! And you know what they did? <clears throat> And, they, and, and, and from more than one person, they spat and spat and spat and spat. His whole face was drooling, drooling with saliva. Saliva. And he didn't spit on them back. And he didn't slap them. And he didn't cuss them out. And he didn't kill them. How was he wounded? Number three, uh, uh, Matthew 27, 30 B says, they hit him in the head. They hit him in the head. Uh, Matthew 27, 30 B, they hit him in the head. Somebody hit you in the head. You know, I, we don't have to repeat this exercise, but, but I, it will be the same response, whatever the spit was. it will be the same thing. <laughs> they hit him in the head, that sacred head. Number four, in John 19, 1. I love what just jot this one down in, in John 19 1, in the new living translation. It says "Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead tip whip flogged Pilate had Jesus flogged with a, I liked it what the new living translation says with a, with a lead look flogged with, with a lead tip whip flogged. That meant every time they hit across his back, And when they pulled it up, it pulled with it flush out of his back. You saw a good picture of that with the passion of the Christ. They just took flesh out. He was wounded for me. You see? Number five. uh, In Matthew 27, 29. Matthew 27, 29. It says, they mocked his kingship with a crown of thorns. They mocked his kingship with a crown of thorns. In Matthew 27, 29. It says, when they had twisted. Look what it did. They twisted a crown of thorns. And these are not the little thorns. See, I've been over in Israel. My wife and I have been uh, three or four times. And we've been over there. And they're not like those little thorns on a little rose bush. I mean, those boogers, they're like this. They're they, they long, and they're pointed, and they're they sharp. And can you imagine? I meant for the person to plait that thing, can you imagine what it did to their hands trying to plait something to be put? And then when they put it on his head, they didn't just let it lay down lightly on the top. You see, they put it on his head and they, whoo, gouged it down and blood flowed out of all of those lacerations down into the locks of his shoulder. You know, I, I can't stand get a ro- getting a road, I did a row bush in the yard the other day, a rose bush, and it just stuck Man, I'm hollering, Ouch. And a lot of y'all can't take one little needle to draw blood. Can you imagine this kind of thing? Look, and when the scripture says in Matthew 27, 29, when they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him saying, Hail, King
0: of the Jews! As Pastor Rander concludes this series, Let us respond to Jesus Christ's priceless sacrifice, freely given for our salvation through never-ending praise, obedience to his word, belief in his birth, burial and resurrection, thankfulness for our salvation, and remembering that the blood of Jesus will never lose its power. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located in Converse, Texas. Join us on Resurrection Sunday, April 17th at Maranatha Bible Church for our 8 a.m. worship service, children's program at 9.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. worship service as we celebrate our risen Savior. For more information, please visit us at maranathasa.org